Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Does anybody know how many books make up the Bible? Bueller, Bueller. Does anybody know how many? Uh, the number's right, but there's got one digit too many. 66. There's 66 books in the Bible. Uh, and and the, when, when you put them together, the entirety is called the canon. There's 39 Old Testament books and there's 27 New Testament books. So that's how the, the Bible's broken up. And the book of Psalms is the largest collection of ancient lyrical poetry in existence. And the book of Psalms consists of 150 Psalms and it's, it's credited, it's, it's, some, some people dispute it, but it's credited as being the longest book in the Bible. And I just want to bring a bit of context to what we're, what we're talking around. Uh, the collections of Psalms is called the book of Psalms based on its Greek title. Uh, and a psalm basically is a, a composition sung to the accompaniment of stringed instruments. So like it, we would write a psalm and would sing a psalm or to, to God. We honour God and we worship God through the psalms. Um, and, and that's what the book of Psalms does. It expresses worship and encourages its readers to praise God for who he is and what he's done. So that's what the Psalms were written for. There's two, two poetic books, Psalms and Proverbs, written with the intent of encouraging us to bring glory to God to lavish on God the praise due his name, to, to sing it aloud. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as we go through Psalms, find your song. Find, find a song within. Find something you can hum. Find something you can sing. Whether it's, Lord, I surrender, and you just sing it over and over again. Find a song, the Lord is my light and my self. Whatever it might be so that you can sing and bring praise and worship to God. Because your soul will come alive. You will come alive. And, and you're, why am I humming that? And it'll just, it'll be something that takes over you and, you, and it'll be something that settles you, that brings peace to your world. When there's, when there's challenges, when you're walking through stuff, just, just find your song. And, and I want to encourage you this morning, find your scripture. What's your scripture? What's your scripture that you base life on? What's the scripture that you stand on when, when the tempest is coming and the storm is challenging and, and the accusations are flying? What's, what, what is the, the word that you stand on? Because it's unshakable. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. Find that word and it will become ballast for your soul. It will be a foundation under your feet that you can stand upon and stand true when the enemy comes against you. Um, how many authors are there of Psalms? About seven. They say seven. Seven individuals or sevens and, and families. So some, there was multiples within a family that wrote Psalms, but it was accredited to one group. What time period was Psalms written over? 1407 BC, the first Psalm being written by Moses, uh, to 586 BC and the author's unknown. You might be going, yeah, what does all this mean? I don't know, I just find it interesting. David wrote 73 of the Psalms. There might be another 12 that he could be accredited with, but he wrote 73 of the Psalms. So like, like the Apostle Paul, he was a prolific writer of his thoughts and intents towards God. And I don't know if you journal, I don't know if you write notes or you walk through situations. I want to encourage you, write them down because you'll get to the other side of them. It might be years away where you look back and go, I walked through that and God, you remain faithful. You were with me every step of the way and I got through to this side. My capacity's been increased. I've been strengthened. I'm a, I'm a bigger person today because I walked in faith and I journaled. Half of this is, this is where I'm at. I'm lamenting where I am in life, but God, I still praise you. Or God, I'm lifting your name high and praising and worshiping you. And it's all documented as a song. Or a, I don't know if you're, I used to write poetry all the time. What is life without love and love without emotion? Oh, anyway, anyway, that's how I got her. 
It wasn't the looks. Although I did have long blonde hair, but it was, I used to love writing poetry. I might just get back to it. The next devotion might be 30 days of poetry with Chichi. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Let, let's stick with Psalms, Proverbs, and general scriptures. Hey, uh, all right, Psalm 8, verse 1, and I'm reading from the Amplified today. This is a Psalm of David. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic and glorious and excellent is your name in all the earth. Wow. David's taken by God. So, so this is shepherd boy David, anointed as king, King David, you know, warrior David, poet David, he's, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how excellent, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. I wonder if we ever allow ourselves to be taken by, well, actually, let me rephrase this, every day we're taken by something. I wonder if God's number one in that list of what we're taken by. Because I can be taken by the pressure of bills or I can be taken by the pressure of emotion or I can be taken by pressure of where I'm at in life at the moment or, or I can allow myself to be taken by God. I can, I can allow myself to be so, for lack of a better term, aroused by the magnificent, just, just I can't stop looking upon all that God is. And, and, and oh, it just blows me up. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries, that you may silence the enemy and make the vengeful, revengeful cease. When I see and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have established, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of earthborn man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than God, you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, you've put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic and glorious and excellent is your name in all the earth. I love this. Just such a magnificent um, psalm. And Can I just encourage you, just read a psalm a day. It's not hard. Just read, except it was 115, where it's got like 157 verses. Skip over that one. The rest will take you three minutes. You'll be fine. Just go for it. But the majority of Psalm 8 is describing man and his dominion over all created things. But the first and last verse are very specific in making it clear that this Psalm is written primarily to exalt the Creator. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Yes, you've created us to have dominion. Yes, you've created us to live beyond every other created thing. But God... First and last, you're the bookend of our life. First and last, you are what we have life in. Everything travels to us from you. We're blessed because of you. God, you are majestic. And regardless of how good our life is, you will always remain number one. I love that. I love that. And what I love is David's so expressive and so animated in his praise towards God. And that should be an example for us of how we're to praise God. Half praise is actually no praise. Praise that falls flat, God, I love you, God, thank you, God, you're awesome, thank you for the answered prayer, is no praise at all. Oh, Lord, our Lord, you did it again, you came through again, I've got victory again, you've raised my head again, I'm filled with hope again, I can see the future again, oh, God, I bless you. Don't ever half praise God, he's worth so much more than that, he's worth so much more than, little golf clap, he's good, he's not bad, that guy, big fella. I'll throw a few up to him. Come on. 
I want us to be people that are passionate about worshiping God, about honoring God. That's where you see the fullness of God in your life. And the Bible says that, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that I want to see him for who he is and experience his joy flowing towards my life so it can strengthen me and encourage me and carry me through. Amen? I get ahead of myself. But anyway, what I also love about this is David was declaring that your name is great. Your name is great. Jesus God, Savior, Lord, Messiah, your name is great. There's something in the name of God. There's something in the name that, that it's not, it's not a, a ethereal force. It's not, a, it's not just a, you're there, but you're not there. It's, it's no Jesus. God, you're there. You're with me. You're, you never leave me nor forsake me. I'm going to lift up your name. And, and, and what I like is that he's acknowledging there's nothing else in all of creation as glorious and magnificent as God. No light shines as bright. No force is more powerful. He exists beyond the constraints of, of, of time and space. He just is. And while there was nothing, he was. And, and where there was nothing, he spoke and something became because the name spoke. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. You can't separate God from his word. You can't separate greatness, power and authority from the name of Jesus. It's the name above every name. Philippians 9, 2 and 9 says, because he was obedient. I, I share this scripture a lot. Even unto death, God raised him up. You can't silence the name. You can't kill the name. There's no authority beyond the name. It's the name of Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, we find life. We get empowered for life. We, we get to walk in victory. I love what it says in Luke 19. It says, shouting, blessed, celebrated, praised is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory, majesty, splendor in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples for shouting these messianic praises. And Jesus replied, I tell you, if these people keep silent, the stones will cry out in praise. So the religious crowd wanted to silence the passionate crowd. They wanted them to stop yelling out praises that were historical and praises. But, but it was praises for him. And Jesus said, you can keep your mouth shut if you like, but if you do, all of creation will cry out. You, you, you can silence yourself if you want. You can withhold praise if you want, but it's not, it's not, it's not worthy. It's not, it's not warranted. And if you do, I will cause other created things to praise me because I'm beyond everything. In the name of Jesus is to be praised. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning. What I also find interesting here in Psalm 8 is that David refers to God as O Lord, our Lord. Now in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. But here in Psalm 8, he says, O Lord, our Lord. So he's not just your God, he's my God. He's, he is personally your God, but he's also our God collectively. And I love this because... David recognized the multifaceted nature of God being both individually personal and collectively inclusive. He wants to be so intimately involved in your world and then he wants to create strength around you in a collective, unified, faith-filled community. That's what God wants to do in our lives is, is unify our strength, unify our faith, unify our effectiveness. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. What we can do together is far more than what we can do individually. But what you can do individually is still powerful. God wants to use you with authority. And I, and I just love this. And you go, how do you get this from this? It's just when you dig a little deeper in the scriptures, you see a little more. And when you wait on God by the Spirit, He starts to reveal things to you. And I want to encourage you, get your Bible, get a concordance, get a, get a Bible commentary, get just you know, a Bible study and, and, and just go through it. 
and it will come alive to you. It won't just be words on a page. It will actually come alive to you. And I love what it says in Jeremiah 7.23. It says, but this I command, I give them, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people, individually, collectively. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. I love this. Uh, and walk in the way that I command you that it will be well with you. Jeremiah 30.22, then you shall be my people and I will be your God. Verse 2, it says, Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of your adversaries that you might silence the enemy and make the revengeful cease. What I love about this is it speaks about God's sovereignty and loving nature because he always affords his kids divine protection, provision, and love. God is beyond us. God is bigger than us, but he chooses to adopt us into his family and afford us or offer us protection, provision, and love. And, and if you look at it, you know, in the natural, human babies or infants are possibly the weakest and most vulnerable of all species if, if, when, when born. But God establishes us. He forms us in our mother's womb. He establishes us. And then he strengthens us as we grow, develop, and mature to the point where we can exist to have dominion in the earth. You were created for dominion, yet you were born vulnerable. But God says, I will hold you, I will sustain you, I will carry you, I will, I will give you what you need to be what I've created you to be. God's original intent is that we would live in dominion. Genesis 1.26, I'll share it shortly. But that's his divine nature, that he causes the enemies to flee. He causes mouths to be stilled. He calls, he calls those that would come against us to be stopped. Do you realize God sets a hedge of protection around your life? There's there's angels and ministering spirits that God has positioned around your life to protect you, to get you through situations that you wouldn't otherwise get through. I remember Melissa was recalling to me that when I was in having my double hip replacement, she was quite worried about me and it was a decent sized operation and I was under for a long time. And she said there there was this fear that came upon her. So she started to pray and as she started to pray, God showed her a picture of four angels positioned in that operating theater that it didn't matter what happened, that, that they were there to minister uh, to the that they were going to bring me through, that the, the hands of the surgeon were going to be God. There is, there is spirits that God has released towards your life, and, and we can take it from, we can, we can be encouraged by it, we can walk in it. And we can, I don't know about you, but I, I'm pumped by that. I'm pumped that I'm not fighting on my own. I'm pumped that, that I, yes, I walk through challenging times and times of what, whatever, testing, and, and, but God is with me. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that you can walk in the spirit, just as the psalmist was alluding to here, and have God lead you and guide you. So it's not how strong we are. It's not how many of us that there are. That It's how strong Jesus is in me. And I love this, it says in Matthew 19, 14, it says, but Jesus said, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. God wants us to have a childlike faith that says, God, though I may not understand, I choose to believe. God, I'm gonna walk in your ways. I'm gonna hold your hand like a child would hold a father's hand. I'm gonna trust in you. I'm gonna believe in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I love you. I love what it says in 1 John 4, 4, you're of God, little children have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The enemy is real. The attack is real. But no weapon formed against you shall prosper because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
In verse 3, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have established. I love it because David, again, is crediting to God, you're the supreme being. You're the alpha and omega. You're the beginning and the end. The, the, the Bible says that, that, that God paced out the, the, the universe by the span of his hand. In other words, that, that with, a, with a finger God can create, with a word God can create, that, that he is so far beyond, so much greater than anything that we could comprehend or understand. And he says, when I consider the works of your hands, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, I, I, I can't believe this. It says in Colossians 1.16, it says, all things are made by God and for God. All things are created by God and for God. So whatever's been created is what God wanted. And God actually created it for you and I. He created us in his image to enjoy his creation, to have dominion over it, to take authority over what he had created. And, and what I love when I read this is Devin, David never took for granted what he'd been gifted. And I wonder how often we take for granted what we have in life, thinking we've done it in, our, in, a, in and of ourselves or through our own strength or intellect, but really God has given us. Even if it's just he's given us the opportunity to step into, to create a thing, God created us for his good pleasure. He, we're made by God for God to enjoy God and all he's created. Amen? What I also love is he, David takes time to still himself, slow himself, to ponder on the magnificence of creation, to ponder on. He's looking, he's on a dark, you know, winter's night, he's out looking at the stars. He's laying on his back and he's going, I, I can't believe all that's been done by you, through you, for me. And, and it's amazing now that astronomers are still finding moons and stars that they never knew existed. We thought the, the universe was this, but then it's spread out to this and spread out to this and, and things are being discovered today that, that man had never knew of. The Bible says, my ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. We, we will never comprehend the magnificence and the majesty and the grandness of God. So just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy all that he has done for you. It's been created for your good pleasure. Is this helping anybody? Verse 4. I just want to break this down. It's more teachy than preachy, but we'll spit and holler next week. This week we're just going to slow down a little bit and... Verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man, of earthborn man, that you care for him? This whole, this whole psalm, Psalm 8, is basically about how excellent you are, God, how excellent your creation is, how excellent, you know, it's about man and his, his ability to live with dominion in the earth. But then it says, but, but God, we're nothing compared to you. We literally, why do you even consider us? which is a great thought to have, because he does. He says, and he holds us in esteem over everything else that's been created. And David here wants the reader to understand that the meaning of life begins and ends with God. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic, wonderful, magnificent is your name in all the earth. Life doesn't exist beyond you. I don't, I don't have anything beyond you. I don't have breath in my lungs. I, I wouldn't be here. Psalm 139 says, God, you created me in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God is in the beginning of all, in the middle of all, at the end of all. There's, there's, God is with you. And David's saying, Let, let's ponder on that. Let's consider that, that everything created. And I don't know if, what takes you, 
waterfalls, big waves, beautiful mountainscapes, whatever, whatever it might be, everything created pales into insignificance to you, God, and you say that you preference us over every other thing that you've created. You're a work of art in God's eyes. You're his masterpiece. Your life to God is perfect. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us. We need to hold ourselves in that place where we go, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay with me. I accept me. Because when you accept you, you're accepting the creator's hand upon your life. God wants you to get okay with you. We've all got imperfections. We've all made mistakes. Life's not perfect, but God sees you as perfect. Through the lens of his love, he sees you as a perfect creation, a perfect created being. Just, just enjoy yourself. Just enjoy life. Just be okay with you. Amen? Look at somebody and say, you're perfect. Come on, that was a bit lame. Look at somebody, whether you know them or not. I'm the king of awkward, so let's, let's go with it. Have you, ever, have you ever taken off in a plane and then looked down and, and seen people walking on the ground? They're like ants. The Bible says that the earth is, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that the earth is his throne, sorry, the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. So imagine looking down, what we see as little ants when we're flying through a plane, God sees as just a speck, just does seven billion specks. But he says, I love you. You're mine. You're made in my image. You're, you're precious. You're special. You're, I, I, want you to, I want you to feel, even if it is a bit awkward this morning, you're loved and you're valued and you're esteemed by the king of all kings, by the creator of the universe. God is, God is for you. And he loves you. And I love what it said, John 3, 6, for God so loved the world. He loved you enough to bankrupt heaven so he could get you back. Because the, the lust of the flesh caused man to fall and we did what we shouldn't have done and we, we walked in pride and we walked in sin and we, and we were separated from God and he loved you that much that he said, I will send my son to die in your place to pay in full the, 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 the bill due for your sin. Amazing. Verse 5, you have made him a little lower than God, in brackets, the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have been made in the image of God. That Again, God preferences you. He looks at you, and as we look at verses 5 to 8, it consistently just emphasizes the significance of man, created in the image of God. Genesis 1 says, verse 26, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them in his image and in his likeness. You represent God in the earth. The, 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 the handprint of God is upon your life. And, and it just blows me away. And it says a little lower than Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God. A little lower than God. You've been created a little lower than God. Had we not stuffed up in the garden, we would, be, we would still be in the Garden of Eden. We would still be living in perfection in, in what God had created and intended for mankind. But I love what it says in Romans 8.31. It says, what shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Everybody say all things. God wants to give you all things. He doesn't want to withhold anything from you. He, he created this life, this universe, this, this earth for you to enjoy, to succeed in life, to grow, to, to, to have dominion in life. And it says, who, who will bring a charge against God's elect? You are, you are God's chosen ones. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a plan B. You are God's chosen one. Go and succeed in life. Go and, go and 
cut a path, go and forge a way, go and do something that somebody else hasn't done before. There's creativity on the inside of you that's yet to surface. There's, there's answers to the world's problems that haven't been seen yet. Just go and release it. Go and be you. Go and do you in the earth because there's nothing he'll withhold from you. It is God who justifies, declaring us blameless and putting us right in relationship with who? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay for our penalty and more than that, who was raised from the dead and who is at the right hand of God interceding with the Father for us. Is that not cool? This week at men's, we were talking about boys, let's just, let's just um, commit to praying. We're praying for our families. We're praying for ourselves. We're praying for those that aren't yet in relationship with Christ. We're praying for the church. We're praying for our community. Let's just wake up every morning and start the day in prayer. Let's start strong. Let's, let's lay our foundation for us to walk out this week. But, but it's, Jesus is there praying to the Father. Yeah, look after this one. Yeah, protect this one. Yeah, provide for this one. Yeah, bless this one. God's interceding on our behalves. Jesus is standing with his father going, yeah, yeah, don't, don't impute that sin against them. No, don't, you know, they're, they're, they're washed clean by my blood, remember, Dad. I, I've paid their penalty, remember. They, they, they can have all good things. Yeah, smite the enemy off their life. Come on, he's coming against them here. and He's praying for you. I, anyway, anyway, I'm just, I'll go home and get excited. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sort? There is nothing. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that will change God's mind about how he sees you in that perfect state, loved of heaven, blessed, favoured, honoured. Verse 6, you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. I love what it says in Galatians. It says, for you who were born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are children of God, set apart for his purpose with right, uh, full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. I love that. Everything created for, through God, was created for you. And then when we separated ourselves through sin, he brought us back in to say, I still want you to have the rights and the privileges. I still want you to have the authority. I still want you to have the position. You see, as I read through the scriptures, I realize David held himself in a position that despite himself and despite the circumstances and despite uh, what he walked through, he still saw himself as the son of God. He still saw himself as an heir to the throne. And so often we take our eyes off the truth of the reality that God has called us, sanctified us, ordained us, consecrated us, brought us into the family, and we look through the filter of our circumstance, current or immediate, and we disqualify ourselves. But the word says that God qualified. And if God qualified, you can't disqualify. Because he says, my, my, my offering, my sacrifice was enough. That there's nothing that can separate you from my love. There's nothing that can take you out of my plan unless you step away. Don't step away, drawing close. Verse 7, all the sheep and the oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through, um, God wants you, oh, I keep saying it, but God wants you to have dominion. God wants you to have dominion in your life, in your circumstances, over your emotions. In your, God wants you to exercise dominion. Open your mouth. Open your mouth and speak to your future. Open your mouth and speak to your storm. Open your mouth and start creating the future that you want to enter into by prophesying the truth of the word of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Just start speaking the truth. Just start declaring the scriptures. Because it says, and I shared it before, but it, 
And God said, let us make man in our image, after our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl in the, of the air, the, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. If there's something that creepeth on the earth, you can have dominion over it. Have dominion over yourself, over your thoughts. Take every thought captive. You don't have to be the sum total of your thoughts. Renew your mind. Go to the Word of God. Go to, go to God Himself. Let God speak His truth over your life. Listen to podcasts. I don't care what you have to do, but, but become more than you are today because it says the way of the righteous winds upwards. The way of, that's God's plan for your life. And, and God has always wanted us to live in the Garden of Eden. That's His plan for us. And, and heaven is actually, if we read it through the Scriptures, a restoration of the Garden of Eden for mankind. It, it's Mark 2. It, it's, it's better than. It's, it's, the Garden of Eden was nothing compared to heaven. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be taken by the magnificence. And it was, it was a, a type of or a foreshadow, the Garden of Eden, of what we would be living in for eternity with God. And that blows me away. 1 Corinthians 2 9 says, It is written, I has not seen nor he heard, neither have entered into the hearts of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We haven't even thought of, we haven't even looked upon, we haven't even considered the magnificence of what God is actually preparing for us in the eternity, in the life after, when we walk out of this place in faith and step into the arms of Christ. I don't know about you, that, that blows me away. Verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic and glorious and excellent is your name in all the earth. And I love this because he just repeats the sentiment that he's had at the very beginning. God, you're good. God, I love you. And again, I, I just want to break this down a little bit to go, I think we can overcomplicate. We can get, well, what's the theology there? And then what's the doctrine there? And he's going, man, I've got none of it. I'm a poet boy sitting here looking on a good and loving saviour. Can I encourage you, break your faith down, break your Christianity down too. God, I'm just glad you're in my world. Thank you. Thank you for being close. Thank you for being present. Thank you for being with me. I tell you, when you get to that place with faith like a child, you will start to see what you've never seen before. And as we were worshiping this morning, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, the scripture, behold, I do a new thing. I feel like God wants to do a new thing in people's lives. He wants to bring something back to life that may have died in your, in your world, some spiritually or emotionally or physically, relationally. God wants to do a new thing. The only way he can do a new thing is when we allow him access to everything. When we give him our lives, it says he who would find his life must first lose it. You know, the, the, we've got to lay our lives down, our agendas, our mindsets, our, and say, you know what, God, whatever you want, you got me, I'm yours, I want more of you, I need more of you, I want your, your touch, your presence, oh, God, oh Lord, our God, how majestic is your name. I think he's just looking at me saying, would, would anybody worship with me? Would, any, would anybody offer up praises with me? Would anybody say, God, you know, this is who you are and we're, we're loving on you? The cool thing is that not only is Jesus' name above every other name, but we get to partake in that name. We get to have a part in that name. That he says, I want that name written across your heart. I want that name written across your life. I want to identify you. I want others to know that you are mine, that you are protected, that you are blessed, that you are favoured, that I am going before you, that I will be your God and I will be their God, collectively and individually, that I won't, I won't ever stop doing that. I want to pray over us this morning. Maybe the team could come back up. But I want to pray over us this morning that you would have a song in your heart. 
that every single one of you would have something on the inside of you that holds you strong in your faith through the good and through the bad, that you'd be able to say like David, you know, David had times of insanity. David had times where he was being hunted by Saul. He had times where he was in caves or he was in the fields chewing on grass. He had times where he was favored and anointed and blessed. There was, in other words, life takes many forms and many shapes. We all walk through, you know, what does it say in Ecclesiastes? There's a time and season for everything under heaven. Times of crap, times of awesome. Times of victory, times of crying. That's my version. <laughs> but what I want to say is, don't lose your song. Don't lose your song. Sing, find a song, find a, a worship song, find a psalm, find something that you can glorify God through. And just let it play over in your mind. Let it just can continually wash over you day in and day out so that God may go before you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? <clears throat> Just lift your hands, close your eyes. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your nature. Thank you for your kindness to us. You are kind, God. You are, you are good, but you are also you're kind to us. In our fail, frail state, Lord, of humanity, where so often we turn to the left or to the right, so often we make decisions based on how we're feeling, not on truth or on on what you're asking us to do. But God, we just come before you saying thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. God, I just pray that a song of exaltation would rise in the hearts of every single person before me today. That they would have a song on the inside that holds them strong through the day in and day out of life. That whenever they think of you, God, they'd be taken by your glory and blessed by your love. Father, I just pray this morning that you would have your way in our life. We love you, Lord, so much. We love you, Lord. Why don't we sing a song this morning? Even Let's just sing, I surrender. And you might want to make a statement this morning and say, yeah, God, I surrender. And I'm not asking, you don't need to come out the front necessarily, but maybe just step out of your seat or just raise your hands and say, God, today afresh, I'm giving you my life. I surrender to your will. Thank you for creating everything I see in experience for my good pleasure. God, today I just surrender my heart afresh to you. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.